your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Muscle memory, are you going to do like a happy Friday? Happy Friday. Wait, wait, <laughs> not yet. Happy Thursday. Happy Riverfest. Happy start of Riverfest. I could smell the the sense of Riverfest, the delicious food when I was walking in the what, studio. What is what is your like go-to? Do you have a go-to? Not just Riverfest, but in, in, when you go to things like this, I, I always want to go to the the Minnesota State Fair is kind of known for those cookies, like the big Sweet bag. Martha's cookies. So, and I never go, but I'm always like, ah, I, would, I could go for some of those. And they got to be there. You got to get them there, right? Because they're fresh out of the whatever, out of the oven or however they cook them. Yeah, I've seen the dough for Sweet Martha's cookies at Aldi, but I just don't think it would be the same to make it yourself versus the magic of getting it at the Minnesota State Fair. Yeah, definitely. You need you need Martha there, right? Is it Martha yeah. there at the State the, Fair just probably. working? Probably. She's got her working on but the but I think all these places, I, I really think and maybe they do, but I don't I don't know what it is. Riverfest needs a thing. Like you just need sure. hey, this is what we got, you know, like uh what could it be? Like what like granddad dogs or something like that that sounds awful <laughs> but you need something lacrosse right like the mississippi river whatever so like name it after something lacrosse and make it a unique food fried food whatever you know and then that's what you go to you have to go well, to river fest to get one of these it's going to be fried yeah it has to well it doesn't have to be it, could, it, ha- it might have to be Dairy, I don't know. It's got to, sure. Does it have to be Wisconsin a little bit? Isn't the big thing at the Wisconsin State Fair cream puffs? I've actually never been to the Wisconsin yeah, State I Fair. Yeah, I had Jill Billings on, and I, she might even, this morning when I was on, I played that interview. Uh, she even said, because they were touring, this, they were touring, uh, you know, she was on some board that has to, uh, you know, fund, help fund the State Fair, and she said they were touring it. And she said, yeah. And I was like, well, so you guys are touring it. Because the legislature is out of session, right? Jill Billings, assembly rep here in Lacrosse area, and I was kind of ripping on her. I'm like, "You guys have been out of session since March. You're do- not working till June. What are you doing?" And she's like, "Well, I'm on all these committees, so we were touring the state fair." And I'm like, "So you're?" And then she's talking about beer too. We're you know we're at a brewery. I'm like, "So you're you're at, you're touring things, drinking beer and eating elephant ears." And it's she's quality like, "Quality control." And then she's like, "No, at the state fair we eat." Uh, Whatever, what did you cream just, puffs? Cream puffs. It, so. It's quality control, Rick. You've yeah. got to, as a legislator, sample the foods to make sure that they're up to par. Yeah, definitely. 608 785 7914 is the talking text line. That's UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Jagoski. We stole him a day early because he can't make it tomorrow. And I'm on zombie mode, so uh, since I, I yeah, work this morning. you're doing mornings uh, today and tomorrow. Yeah, and, and my dog decided that she didn't want to sleep. Last night, so I you have a baby, so I, I shouldn't complain. Well, I'm familiar with this situation. But she's just like up and panting and like in the whole night. I'm like, what do you do? And then we have this thing where I just kind of put my hands out like, what do you want? And I put my hands out like that. And she's like, and then she tells me, usually it's to the treat area, but this time it was to outside. So I let her outside. And then she goes and lays in the weeds. Like just lays in some brush, like along, you know, like where a bunch of plants I got planted, and I'm like, okay, what, what are, what are we doing? It's two thirty in the morning, and you're just you needed to come outside and lay in the weeds. 
It's an urgent situation. And it wasn't hot in the house. So, because yeah. usually, like, if it's hot, you go lay in the weeds, but it's the middle of the night and it's cooler in the basement. So, I don't, I don't know what was going on. So, we did that about three or four times as I get slowly more and more enraged. So, I uh, finished Hayes' show and came home and took a nap. So, good move. But uh, there's so many things to talk about. And I just want to run through, I'm just going to do the headline hunting. And before we go to break with uh, Sam doing the news, okay. I think Sam did the news unless Brad superseded her again, but I don't think he did it today. Excellent UW lacrosse student, Sam, I might add. Sam White. All right. Um, all right. So Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, conservative holder over can stand the DNR board. Um, I think we might spend a lot of time on this one. Just basically, uh, we're allowing whatever party controls the state, the state Senate to determine who gets to... Um, you stay on any 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 appointee in the state government can now stay on forever until <laughs> until they die. Essentially, that's what we've what, that's the precedent the Wisconsin Supreme Court set. Um, Wisconsin Democratic Attorney General sues to block the 1849 abortion ban uh, that lets uh, you rape or rape incest. I, I would I would say rape and rape incest are like a combo. Because if you're in, if it's incest, it's also rape, right. and it's a weird thing to talk about. But like that, we're we're cool with that in the state, in the state, in in a, in a law that was created before women had the right to vote or before women had even a say in creating laws. That's what makes this especially interesting, right? Uh, let's see here. Uh, th- this one is your. You put this one in here. A year in legal fight over Gableman election investigation keeps growing. Michael, yes, uh, every week we get a couple of new lawsuits regarding the Gableman election investigation into the 2020 Wisconsin election. Now, every week we 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 ask what the price tag is. You said last week and two weeks ago we were over a million dollars, but that's got to keep creeping up. I oh, mean, the lawyers' fees, yeah, those so add up. Yeah, yeah. So where are we at? You know, who knows. Um, we might have some sound here later, right? This next one is the sound. Yes. Trigowski. Rebecca so, Clayfish and Kevin Nicholson, GOP candidates for Wisconsin governor in a debate where the moderator wasn't messing around. A conservative moderator. Yeah. Conservative talk show host. Correct. Right. So the opposite of me, maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, uh, ask Clayfish and, and Nicholson, uh, just what, just, just on the 2020 election. Yeah, just so give a give me a yes or no. Was the election stolen? And we'll get their answers. They did not give them a yes or no. Uh, City of Lacrosse facing four point two million dollar revenue gap for next year's budget, keeping an eye on inflation. While so, the state, by the way, has a three point eight billion dollar budget surplus, and the state has a three point eight billion dollar budget surplus because the state legislature adjourned in March without Governor Evers called a special session for this, right? To to figure out what to do with our budget surplus, ignored, yep. right? He called a special. That session. That was one of the many special sessions. Might be that- up to eight. I think it might be eight. I think I forgot that one when I do my count. It's it's funny. I lose count of how many special sessions the Republicans have gaveled in and out of, ignoring any kind of debate. And so those eight special sessions have probably lasted for a combined four minutes. Yeah, we'll do like eight <laughs> times 30 seconds, right? Um, budget gets tighter in, in, in Wisconsin, smaller towns. Yeah, so that's kind of the... These budget issues in La Crosse are not unique. They are happening all over the state where local governments are definitely facing some budgetary and financial pressures. And then we have a couple of, of, well, I know there's one, but I feel like there's a couple of U.S. Supreme Court stories. Well, one is is happening today. It might just change how we run elections in the state completely. Yeah, uh, they're going to hear a case that could really, really overhaul the way elections are run. 
but that will be heard in the fall. Okay, and then the we uh, do have a big decision today. Yeah, the Supreme Court decided to uh, say the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, can't regulate, doesn't have the authority to regulate power plants, greenhouse gas emissions. So, what is the EPA then? So, the, I feel like the Supreme Court just like cut the EPA's legs off at the knees. It definitely legs off at the knees. Cut the EPA's legs off. Period. Something like that. It, it, it definitely undercuts the way that the EPA is able to take action. It definitely restricts the ability of the EPA to regulate carbon emissions. And this could have big implications for what exactly government agencies can do. Can government agencies act using their own expertise, using some sort of independent authority based on the law, but using some discretion? Can they make key decisions about how to regulate things? And then what we'll spend most of this time on is Delta Airlines offered somebody $10,000 to not to not take their flight from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Minneapolis. To not fly from Grand Rapids to Minneapolis. I, you know, we were talking before the show, Rick. I've been in the situation where they oversold a flight and the offers began. Hey, we'll give you 100 bucks if you take another flight. Hey, we'll give you 200 bucks if you take another flight. Never quite reached $10,000 in my and, experience. And for a flight that's across the, the Great Lake, right? Yeah. Like, you just, it's just kind of down the road. Uh, like can you t- imagine a more boring flight than Grand Rapids to Minneapolis? Lacrosse to Minneapolis? No. Yeah, probably, <laughs> at least there's some yeah. bluffs there. I mean, no, you're going over the lake. I think there's some, like, you get to see the lake. I would at take $10,000 to not fly from across to Minneapolis. I would take $10,000 to swim across the lake. Like, take good luck, you know? Like, I don't know if you're going to make it, but for ten grand, i will try. All right, got to take a break. Really sad. You should be happy. It's the first day of Riverfest. It's the first day of Riverfest. What's a good, like, Riverfest song, though? Like, what would you want to go and roll a log on down the Mississippi River? <laughs> they do that at the Y. You ever see that? You ever... I, you know, I, you I go to the Y. Have you ever? Do you work out? Have you ever worked out? Is it a day in your life? Do you even lift? Like, do the, you even lift, bro? The I, I've seen that at UW Lacrosse at the pool at Mitchell Hall, where some students are really into that. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, I uh, something I would never do, but I don't mind watching. I, uh, I, I would try it. Would you try it though? I would try it. Like alone. No, uh, with could, a with a lifeguard, but a low. You know what I mean. We could do like a bit for the radio where we could both try it and see who lasts the longest on the log. Wouldn't be long. No. Be, I feel like we get hurt. It would too. be a matter of seconds. Like it, it, it wouldn't take long for us to face plant right into the water. Yeah, I, I have I have thought about it. Just the idea of uh, getting me in in. There's some young kids that can do this, like very, you know, and then just have because you do it as a competition. You both jump on the log and whoever can stay on the log the longest. Yeah. And you get like a a 10 year old on here and he's going to kick my butt. Oh, absolutely. And it would be funny. That would be a a gimmick. But also it would be very short. It would take four seconds. Yep. So so all the work going into it. TikTok length. Yeah, and and also like the the optics of me right now post pandemic (laughs) in a pool. Not great. Either I'm wearing a shirt and I'm that guy, or I'm not wearing a shirt, and then everyone's like, mm. "So." We had a texter com- comment about uh, what are your thoughts on the million plus leaving the Democratic Party? This is a story I believe might. I don't know if I put it up on WisdomNews.com yet, but more than a million voters switch in- into GOP and warning for Dems. This is a this is one of those grab you headlines. 
Yeah. Uh, something that's not abnormal for uh, people to, to. And it's not it's not the, the headlines wrong, isn't it? More than one million voters switch to G. Oh, no, the headlines. OK, that's correct. But it sounds it makes it sound like a million Democrats have switched to the Republican Party. And that's not really what's happening. Yeah. The Associated Press analyzed party registration in 43 states looking so, at which political party people are registered with brad did a yesterday on the cross today mentioned mentioned there are 50 states ah so we're missing seven states and yes. i think i think that would be interesting to know which seven states they missed out on because yeah i don't know and i don't know if if, if you miss florida are a lot of people switching parties in florida they did incorporate florida in this analysis and florida is becoming a big-time Republican state. What's happening, Rick, is people in cold areas are getting older and moving to warm areas such as Florida. And we know that older people tend to be more Republican than younger people. And those older people might be drawn to Florida for its lack of an income tax. So you have the policies of Florida that may tend to draw in conservatives. The iron- so the fact that Florida is in this analysis is going to make things better for Republicans because Florida is just becoming very Republican. The irony that I go to Florida to retire because of no income tax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. It doesn't totally make sense. I mean, there are... It has become like the old people but, place I mean, to be. I mean, Seinfeld's a show from the 80s, and like one of the biggest parts of that show is all the parents at one time moved to Florida to Del Boca Vista. So there's the, 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 Florida being a retirement home is, is nothing new here. But you're right. Like I, uh, you know, a lot of people moving to Arizona. It'd be fun in a couple of years when those places don't. I don't know about Florida. Florida will have too much water and uh, it won't be drinkable. But places like Arizona, even California, I think are starting to have uh, serious water problems. And the ability to just have water is becoming an issue. And that's, uh, you know, something we don't talk about as the environmental protection agencies had its legs cut off today by the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, U.S. Supreme Court very active right now, or I would say so. Or are we just paying attention? I I think we're paying attention because these rulings really do make a big difference. The Roe versus Wade ruling has upended the political scene because it has thrown the abortion issue to the states in a way that just was not the case before these local elections, even like will the district attorney in a particular area enforce the Wisconsin law? Will the law enforcement deal with the enforcement of the law? What will Josh call the attorney general of Wisconsin do? What about Tony Evers, the governor who says he'll give clemency to people who might be convicted under the abortion law? It just has really shaken up the political landscape. And then, Rick, like you said, we have this ru- ruling today regarding the Environmental Protection Agency. Well, let's let's go back to sure. this, right? Governor Evers, the attorney general, talking about whether or not we're going to punish women Whenever that we're going to punish doctors for getting abortions in the state due to an 1849 law, due to a 173 year old law that was created before women had the right to vote or even have a say in the law. Um, let's just reel back to the beginning of the pandemic uh, when we had mask mandates and uh, sheriff's departments across Wisconsin would say, we're not enforcing that mandate. We're not going to enforce that. And people were like, good. You know, certain people on one side of the aisle, right? We're like, good. We shouldn't enforce a mask mandate. And now people on the other side of the aisle are like, good. We shouldn't punish women for trying to get health care. Well, let's just say which laws people think are are 
ought to be enforced, which laws should be enforced, often depend on where they stand on those particular issues. That's for sure. And Josh Call did file a lawsuit earlier this week trying to argue against the 173-year-old abortion ban, basically with a couple arguments. First of all, saying that this is so old, this law is so old that As the Associated Press put it, he says modern generations never consented to this law. He also says that there was uh, there were laws passed in the 1980s that are more recent that deal with abortion and that those are the laws that really should matter. Those laws don't go nearly as far as the 1849 law. So this whole situation has been described as a mess. And I think that is an appropriate way to describe it. We have a total lack of clarity about how things are going to turn out in Wisconsin. Because of that lack of clarity, abortions have stopped in Wisconsin, basically all abortions, because the total uncertainty surrounding this issue, people just want to avoid legal risk. And they're avoiding legal risk by just wholesale stoppage of abortions. All right, we're going to go to the phones. Is this Andy? Yes, it is. Hey, Rick, I called you this morning, and uh, this seems like a better time to talk about it. I want to talk about executives, basically the executive branch, refusing to enforce the legislative branch and refusing to basically adhere to the like court, uh, the judicial branch ruling. Oh, oh, Andy, what do you, you guys think about you, that idea? You know what happened, Andy? Your phone cut out, so he never even got to your question. That's what happened. Oh, what I was talking about yesterday, or what I was talking about this morning, is I know there's like um, historical precedent. Or even at like the uh, national level, the president can basically refuse an order or a directive from the Supreme Court, and they can also essentially refuse to enforce the law. There is nothing that I understand actually forces the executive branch to uh, it, that makes the executive branch enforce laws. They essentially have the option to ignore them, and so Tony Evers can essentially tell. I think all state enforcement agencies don't don't abide the law, and then it basically becomes like a county-by-county issue. Yeah, that's correct, Andy. So there is no private police force that the courts have that will arrest people if they don't follow the court's orders. This is why the courts are in a really interesting situation politically. They have to rely on the cooperation, not the forced cooperation, but the voluntary cooperation of others in the political system to go along with their rulings. So the courts need to maintain a certain level of respect. They need to maintain a certain level of prestige so that people will say to themselves, well, I might not agree with everything the court says, but I'll go along with what the court says because that's just the way things go in this system of politics. But It is the case that you might see people defying certain court rulings, and there really isn't a lot that the courts can do about it. People can vote those folks out of office. Impeachment could be a possibility. Those are rather difficult to employ in practice. So it is a difficult situation the courts often find themselves in. They have to have the level of respect in the public and among others in the political system where people will just say, I may not agree with the court all the time, but we should go along with their rulings. And I don't know if the court is putting itself at jeopardy. Certainly approval of the Supreme Court has declined for a while. It has declined a bit more, I think, because of the Roe versus Wade being overturned. 
It's a perilous situation right now for the Supreme Court. They're being quite aggressive. I am surprised, honestly, by how aggressive the conservative majority on the U.S. Supreme Court is. And certainly we have experience with the Wisconsin Supreme Court being aggressive, too. It's a tricky situation for the courts. So could we have maybe a woman's right to choose be a county issue? That would be interesting. It's entirely possible, Rick. Hey, we want small government, not even the states now. The argument here, if if we don't want the federal level to do it, this is a Republican argument, it should be left up to the states. Well, how about the counties? It should be left up to each county. That would actually be better for for women in every state, right? Because it's a little easier to cross county lines than it is to cross state lines. And Rick, I think the broader point here, the courts can issue rulings, but if the public doesn't go along with those rulings, if others in the political system don't go along with those rulings, then where does that leave the court? Are we it's gonna... one thing to win. It's one thing to win a battle in the court of law. The court of public opinion is a completely different matter. You can win in the court of law, but do you win the hearts and minds of the American people? I don't know where that stands right now with abortion, even as Roe versus Wade was overturned. I don't see a whole lot of county sheriffs talking about how they're going to enforce the abortion law. I don't see that on the Facebook page. No, I, I don't. E- I don't either. I mean, some that we, might be we, a little more contentious we, than a mask look, mandate. Look, we have seen some district attorneys come out around Wisconsin saying, I am going to enforce the 1849 law. I'm not going to enforce the 1849 law. Predictably, for example, in Dane County, the most liberal county in the state, we saw the district attorney there say, I'm not going to enforce the 1849 abortion ban. So that is a great example rick of how this ruling completely completely shook up american politics overnight offices that had nothing to do with abortion all of of a sudden are are very much involved in this issue it has been a just a, a a sea change in american politics and it happened in an instant when we come back we're going to talk about some other wisconsin supreme court issues uh, especially with the DNR Policy Board, and we'll get back to what happened, what the update, the Michael Gabelin 2020 election investigation ordered by Republicans costing taxpayers over a million dollars, where that's at when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski on with me. We're going to roll through all these Wisconsin things that happen. But the first one that I want to talk about is a Republican governor nomination or governor primary debate. Yep. Four candidates, Tim Michaels, the Trump endorsed candidate, and maybe the front runner was a no show at this debate. So you had former lieutenant governor Rebecca Clayfish, plus the other contenders, Kevin Nicholson and Tim Rampton. When the moderator of this debate is a conservative Conservative Green Bay area commentator. Yep. And we're getting this from Heartland Single. Heartland. Yep. All right. Do you want to just set it up? So I kind of like the approach that this host took. He wanted a yes or no in response to the question, was the 2020 election stolen? And he was willing to play some hardball with these candidates. He was going to cut their mic off if they did not give him a yes or a no in response to that specific question. And we all know Tim Timothy Rantham's answer, well, so we don't he, have him part yeah, of this. Yeah, we don't have Tim Rampton. He is in fourth place in the polling. We have Michaels and Clayfish, who and, are in very this much clip. 
We have my, we have Rebecca Clayfish and Tim Michaels. We don't well, need Michaels was a no show. We've got oh, Nicholson. My here. bad. Yeah, yep. Kevin Nicholson. But what I'm saying is we didn't need Rantham's answer to yeah, this because it would just be yes. It's yes. All right. So here here's the clip. <laughs> Mrs. Clayfish. <clears throat> Again, please begin with yes or no, and then you may elaborate from there. Joe, I've answered this question on your show before. And I said that the 2020 election was You have to begin with a rigged. yes or no. It's a yes or no answer. Then continue. I've answered this question before on your show, and I've said that the election was rigged from the very beginning. And then I cited right, I, evidence I have after to, I have evidence to stop after you. evidence. The rules on this are very clear on yes or no questions. A yes or no must be the first answer. I'll give you one more chance, or I have to move to the next person. We're enforcing that rule with everyone. A simple yes or no, and then you can elaborate from there. Joe, I've answered this question All right. on your show we, before, I'm sorry. We got and to, I've that, said that the election please, was rigged. Please cut the mic. We will not hide it. I was very clear on the rules. We just, please cut the mic. Mr. Nicholson, you get the question. If you do not answer with a yes or no, we will cut your mic as well. Joe, illegal conduct occurred, but I'll stop right there. So that's the only answer you want to give. All right. Not a yes or a no either. I don't think you... No, it's, it's, it's either a yes or no, or, and then move forward from there. I love that moderator. Yeah, that's moderator Joe Giganti is conservative talk of show host that is from Heartland Single on because Twitter. Because it is a yes or no question, Rick. Yeah, like either easy. it was or it wasn't. The election was stolen or it wasn't. Yeah, why can't either of those people say yes? Why can't Rebecca Clayfish or Kevin Nicholson just say yes then? Well, they maybe don't think it was stolen. <laughs> <laughs> I know Rebecca Clayfish has had a, like a million different answers to the question of if the 2020 election was stolen. But, Rick, I got to give just a big-time shout-out to that moderator. I love when you hold politicians' feet to the fire like that and hold them accountable. If they're not going to answer your question, that should be noted, and he did just that. And it is notable that Kevin Nicholson and Rebecca Clayfish did not want to give a yes or no answer. Their non-answer is revealing. And this just adds to what we're doing in the state and across the country, perpetuating 2020 as if something nefarious happened one way or the other. One nefarious thing can be seen on video as we have a capital insurrection, and we're trying to get to the bottom of that through hearings that are being broadcast live on TV. And the other one is an election investigation. If we want to go into Wisconsin, where we've spent a million dollars, over a million dollars of taxpayer funds on top of, is it like 12 or so million dollars in lawyer fees? Is that just for the election investigation or is that just in? So we're up to a million dollars for former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman's investigation ordered by Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. That is now caught up in about a bajillion different lawsuits, lawyers' fees adding up. Gableman still on the payroll. We're over a million dollars there on the tab for the 2020 election investigation here in Wisconsin. And then the broader lawyers' fees in these battles between the state legislature and Governor Tony Evers. The state legislature, Republican-controlled, is now over $12 million in lawyers' fees in these battles with Governor Evers in the courts. So much, they they rely on lawyers so much that they have a $20,000 firm that just organizes their lawyers. They pay this firm $20,000 a month to just make sure that all the lawyers are ready to go. They pay a lawyer to hire the lawyers or, yes. to, or to even or to, uh, to assemble them on the chess or checkerboard. The state on- legislature's lawyers have lawyers. To be fair, 
We know it's $12 million for a Republican. We don't have that figure on the Democratic side. And it's against Evers. So what would Evers' lawyer fees be? Very similar, I'm guessing. And also, that's taxpayer money, right? It's all taxpayer money. Right. So it's all a game. Speaking of Tim Ramthan, who was on that debate stage, Robin Voss is billing the taxpayers for his own lawyers with an ethics complaint that Tim Ramthan filed against him. Robin Voss and Tim Ramthan have had this ongoing feud. And Robin Voss is having taxpayer-funded lawyers do his battling in the courts against Tim Rampton in a little Republican versus Republican battle. How much would all this change if they had to pay for their own lawyers? A lot. It would change a lot. Right? Like, nobody's got $12 million in there. Well, maybe some of them have $12 million. Some of them million. are pretty wealthy. Then only the wealthy would win here. So there's a there's this, like, balancing act. Like, who who can sue who? But then also, like, if everyone's paying for out of the pocket, then somebody like Tim Michaels would win the, the lawyer fee battle because he would, he's the millionaire that could pay for all the, the lawyer. All right. So <laughs> last thing before we go, I just want to go to break. The Wisconsin Supreme Court set a precedent, and that you could you you might have heard this with Scott's comment that nominees. Well, let's just let's let's go to break and let's come back with this one. We'll be back. All right, welcome back. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski on with me. We want to talk about what was also Scott's comment. The Supreme Court, the conservative court, the Republican court, I guess we could well, at some point we're just we should just well, call it. The Republican yeah, let's court. just say it. The four Republicans on the state Supreme Court versus the three Democrats on the state right. Supreme Court. Let's, uh, just, it, let's just be honest about the politics and the partisanship that is now very much part of the courts. Even we had a guy named Fred Breen, his six year term. He was appointed by Governor Scott Walker on the Wisconsin DNR board. His six-year term ended last May, so over a year ago. Governor Evers had nominated Sandra Nass to take over. Right when his term ended, the nominee was named the state senate, made some confirmations not long after that, but left Sandra Nass off this confirmation thing. And had they put her on there, the DNR policy board would have flipped from conservative-leaning majority to Democratic-leaning, I guess by the appointees, like a Democratic appointees would have it would have outweighed the Republican appointees. And the state has fought to get Preen off the board. Hey, your term ended. Preen refuses to leave. He's like, hey, if the Senate didn't confirm anybody, then I don't have to leave. And Republicans control the Senate, and they're out of session now. They've been out of session since March. They're not coming back till January, so don't expect them to come and confirm NAS anytime soon. And the state Supreme Court just made it possible that they never have to confirm Anybody ever again, as long as they don't want a seat to flip from Republican to Democrat. Yeah, that's right, Rick. So the majority of the Supreme Court said that the governor may appoint an officer and the Senate may confirm that person only if a vacancy in the office exists. But a vacancy can occur only if the officer dies, resigns or is removed. So Preen still holds the position. The governor can only remove him for misconduct or malfeasance in office. And there was some question, well, can the governor just fire him, but he hasn't really done anything that can be fireable, you would think that staying on with your position after your term has expired might qualify. But Governor Evers has said he's not going to fire Fred Preen. It is a really strange situation, though, Rick. And this is a broader example of how routine things in politics are now no longer routine. Like, it would be a routine matter of business to confirm the DNR board members. This Essentially, now, if a Republican governor gets into office, just give me, tell me if this scenario is wrong. For every term that ends, they could appoint, a, let's just say, a 25-year-old sure. to every position. 
The Senate will confirm them because the Senate's a re- Republican majority. And then let's say the, the their re- term expires eventually. Yeah. Let's say the Republican governor loses and a Democratic governor takes over the next term. Those Republicans in office can will never have to leave unless they die. They resign or they're removed for misconduct. So at some point in time, it very well could be that everybody in an appointed position in state government will be a Republican. Let's take this to the logical extreme. Yes. Let's imagine a 25-year-old gets appointed to the DNR board, has their term expire after the six years, and the state Supreme Court does not confirm ever a replacement well the state senate the state senate the state supreme court has set the precedent that the state senate doesn't have to confirm anyone ever again let's say the state senate never confirms a replacement that person that 25 year old could be in that office until they die at the age of 80 they could be on there for 55 years and you make you make a joke (laughs) like let's go to the extreme yeah but it's not all that extreme. We just watch it with the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. We we held off Merrick Garland for ten months. We said nope. We uh, we we're going to let the voters decide for Merrick Garland because Obama's term. He's a lame duck president. And then we confirmed Coney Barrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her first name? Amy Coney. Amy Barrett. Coney Barrett in sixty days. Yep. Because somebody knew that Trump was probably not going to win. He lost by seven million votes. Right. Somebody knew we better confirm this U.S. Supreme Court candidate to a lifetime appointee. And then so we got three U.S. Supreme Court judges on that are all like 50 years old and don't have any. <laughs> By the way, the rule in Minnesota, if you get if you hit 70 years old, you have to retire as a judge. I love that. rule. Can we have that rule? And then Wisconsin, it's a 10 year term and it's an elected position. So I have two proposals that I would put on the table. One would be a mandatory re- retirement age for politicians and for judges. Actually, there's a candidate for governor the Democratic candidate in South Carolina that actually proposed that, a mandatory retirement age for politicians, basically saying, like, what's up with all these 80-somethings in political office? What if, what if like, Rebecca Cook just ran on that in Congress, right? She just ran on, hey, when you hit 65 years old, you have to retire in Congress. And I don't necessarily agree or disagree with the idea of a retirement age, but it is undeniable that the age of elected officials skews way older than the general population. I mean, look at Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Grassley, Chuck Grassley, Chuck Grassley's 89. He's going to be he's going to be 89 when his if he gets reelected, he will be 89. Therefore, Chuck Grassley, his term will end when he's 95 years old. And when you take the key figures in Congress, Mitch McConnell on the Republican side, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden on the Democratic side, they're all in their late 70s or early 80s. And that has raised a lot of tension and frustration among the up and comers, the go getters in Congress who really want to make a name for themselves, but are finding it very difficult to do so. When you're driving down the highway and someone's in that lane, they're just going way too slow. It just happened to me a little while ago. And eventually you get to pass them and you look over in the window and it's that that person that can barely see over the steering wheel and like looking over the dash. And then you're like, oh, God, I don't know if they should be driving. They look pretty old. That's how we should be running government. I don't know. We should probably have some regulations. Can you pass a driving test? 